Hey, everybody. If you were not aware, yesterday morning, there was a natural gas explosion that went through a Seattle neighborhood, and it leveled not only a couple of stores, Mr. Euros and Greenwood Quick Stop, but it also leveled Neptune Coffee. Now, this is a place that uh, locals to Seattle and travelers from afar might be aware of. Beautiful-looking shop. And from quite some time, it's been a place for locals and tourists to go. But it's also just become this great example of a functional multi-roaster coffee shop. And they were really good about the relationships that they had with the roasters that they worked with and cultivating them over a long duration of time. And that's something I think is a little bit rare in some of the multi-roaster shops that we see these days. Um, and it's, it's kind of unfortunate for all those who are involved. Luckily it happened after hours, so it wasn't something that took any lives, but, uh, there is a GoFundMe that has been set up in order to help aid all the businesses that were affected, uh, while they're put out during this time. And so that link is going to be in our show notes. It'll be the first link that you see there. And we have a couple of thousand listeners of the podcast in even if everybody was able to go and donate just $1, then we'd be able to make a really big impact. Our thoughts are with everybody there in Seattle, and we're going to jump to the episode now. Hello, and thank you for listening to the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast. We are the podcast for people who care about coffee. This is episode 36, and I am your host, Brian Bikey. Joining me as always... The man who, if you're not finding him in the medicine aisle, you'll find him in the salvage denim aisle. He is Brian Sheely. <laughs> I was just in the medicine aisle. <laughs> not sure about salvage denim, though. I just figured, you know, denim, flannel, you know, yeah. mustache wax, all of that stuff would... would all, the, all the hipster stuff going on. All the hipster stuff going on. I tweeted about this. My, my wife sent me a, a text earlier today. She was asking me to pick up the hipster Tylenol from the store. Uh, it's when autocorrect strikes and children become hipsters. So had a nice, uh, lovely conversation about why children become hipsters. It's hilarious. It's the episode, so uh, you know how we usually start it. Um, Brian, what are you brewing? I have been digging around with the AeroPress lately, and I got a coffee in recently from Sterling Coffee. And it was a coffee from Rwanda, and it was their Tumba Co-op. Put it on the AeroPress, and it it was pretty fantastic. So it was interesting. When it first started, it actually was a little nutty at first. I was kind of worried about it, and I didn't know if that was kind of an AeroPress thing or if it was a coffee thing. But I tried not to let my judgment be too set at the when it was right off of the heat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Uh, not what, to say anything bad about nutty coffees, though, right? Right, I mean, right, you're right. Just, you're, right. It's just not your... Not your thing. Right. And as it was cooling a little bit, then it started to taste kind of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So still kind of that nuttiness. Ooh. And I'm like, okay, okay. So maybe this is kind of kind of part of the coffee. And then it started getting into, you know, some fruitiness, some jamminess. And then there was some florals that started to develop as well. But then kind of as the, the hot, hot temperatures of the cup went away, then it was just just raspberry and flowers, and I probably should say floral. Saying flowers sounds a little weird, but uh, yeah, raspberry and floral, <laughs> and then a, a nice orange finish to it. And there, it was really lovely. There were elements of it that uh, kind of reminded me of a geisha. Just certain qualities kind of had that sort of like, yes, mm. good job. You know when you hear when you hear the cheering going on in your head while you're drinking. <sighs> yes, you did it. Good job. <laughs> that happened with this coffee. So it was really tasty. Nice. That's awesome. What about you? Uh, I've had a couple really, really good ones. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Juan Pena. So I'm going to choose a coffee that's different than that since I feel like I've picked Juan Pena a lot recently. Probably. Um, I did have one from Spy House that was just bananas good. But um, aside from that, I actually had a coffee this morning from Chromatic Coffee Company. Um, it was a Honduras uh, Tulio Portillo. I brewed it up on the Baby Wave, the Kalita 155. And uh, I, you know, it, very few times do I ever go onto a roaster's website and just like blindly select something that I haven't heard anything about. 
Um, I didn't do any research on this coffee at all. Um, I just knew that I wanted to try chromatic because it's been a little while since since I've had coffee from them. Um, so I just picked one that I thought sounded interesting. Um, and man, this this one's really good. I'm 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 enjoying it a lot. We've got it slated up for office coffee. Uh, I think next week. So looking forward to that. But the the baby wave that I had today, uh, brewed it up. It started out just what well, no, it, it was like flowers. You could say, you know. It, whatever if that sounds weird but it was totally like flowers uh this podcast huge, brought to you by flowers by flowers yes uh 1-800 uh tulio portillo so um it's crazy good super floral um and uh it it did have sort of like that sweet almond creamy almond thing going on like at the very very end um but all throughout the middle of the cup like you know as it was sort of developing up until the point it, it cooled it was it was blackberry as well so huge uh bright sort of that tart blackberry thing going on um and i don't usually have a lot of honduran coffees i mean i've had a few uh that have been fairly great i know you've liked a lot of honduran coffees recently as well um but this one is super good and it was nice because I didn't actually, I hadn't heard anything about it, and then it it turned out to be a pretty, pretty solid one. Not only do I like coffees from Honduras, but I was just thinking recently that it's been a while since I've had one, and I miss mm-hmm. it. So you're yeah. talking about I did get one from Passenger recently, and it was really delicious too. I, I had a Chemex of that that tastes like it started off like Swiss cake rolls, and then it finished like pecan pie and like the the kind of fruit punch that you make at a wedding you know with like sorbet and sprite or ginger or whatever by the way this is the i I had to bring that up because this is the second podcast in a row that you've mentioned two coffees even if one was just in passing yeah yeah i know i i kind of drop them pretty soon here in about a year we're gonna it's just we're gonna have like seven (laughs) seven coffee recommendations and speaking of coffee recommendations speaking of coffee recommendations last week we uh we kicked off the ibrew my coffee recommends newsletter i was floored to see how many people kept signing up for that it was so cool how many people keep signing up still yeah it's yeah i mean we so we sent out our first delivery on march 1st you know we're, we're planning on right now doing it every month maybe at some point we'll we'll up that amount and do it more frequently than that but yeah, we sent out nine different coffee recommendations to uh, all of the subscribers that signed up, and then previously the subscribers that were on um, Hannah's Damn It Coffee service that we kind of took over. And uh, yeah, some some really great coffees on the list, and a lot of cool names. Like it was it was neat to see some of our friends sign up, um, and so we've got you know probably we have over three hundred subscribers now, um, but. Uh, yeah, so thanks everybody for signing up. That was super cool. We've been seeing some people tag and uh, yep. pick, be, getting those coffees in now. So yeah, thanks everybody for signing up for IBMOC Recommends. Uh, if you haven't yet signed up, you can go to ibrewmyowncoffee.com slash recommends. Um, fill out the little survey there, and we will be sending you a monthly selection of coffee for you to potentially go purchase if you'd like to. Um, and if you do, definitely let us know how your experience goes. And hey, if you already have purchased the coffee and you're waiting for it to come in or you've been brewing it up, let us know. Uh, Let us know how the recommendation turned out for you. Today, we uh, decided that we would start getting into some brewers specifically and kind of talk about them and experiences with them. So it would be a little different than we've had requests before and talked about doing an episode about dialing in a coffee. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit more focused than that. So today, we are going to be talking about the Aeropress. What? Yeah. The Aeropress. The Aeropress. So we'll be getting into a whole lot of things in regards to the Aeropress, some of our history with the Aeropress and some recipes and just various trinkets that we've found in regards to it. For people who may not necessarily be aware of the Aeropress, I actually – I have a friend – uh, who works in my office, who has recently been talking about purchasing an AeroPress, um, seen them all over the place, you know, is thinking about it. So these kinds of discussions hopefully will tip somebody over the edge if they haven't already gone out and bought one. But hey, 
do you think there's people who here listening who don't actually know what the AeroPress is or hasn't actually seen one I think in there, action? I definitely think there are some. I think there are some people who listen to the podcast that they either still use a drip machine or I know we've had some emails from people who just have, you know, a regular Melita uh, pour over cone or something they picked up, you know, just at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're they're not uh, they haven't been going out and getting all techie and get a Chemex or get a this. And, yeah. you know, we've got people from all over the place. So there there might be some that uh, have yet to get into an AeroPress or some who they might know what it is, but they might have a certain perception of it. Yeah. So. Well, and, and the AeroPress can be compared to a lot of other brew methods as well. Um, most notably, one of everybody's favorite uh, and most relatable brew methods is the French press. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when when I start to like demonstrate for someone what the AeroPress can do, most everybody who hasn't seen one before thinks, oh, you know, that's that's very similar to a French press. And yeah, in a lot of ways it is. So yeah, and um, I, I had a buddy when I was in Cincinnati and to him, an AeroPress was just like a really, really inexpensive way to get espresso. Yeah. And a lot of people do that too. For people wanting to make like a super concentrated uh, amount of coffee at home, the AeroPress is a great way to do that. Whether or not you technically want to call it espresso or not, right, um, is a you know maybe a fussier discussion. Aeropresso, Aeropresso, right? Aeropressos, right? Sure, one of those things. Um, so let's kind of break it down. I know you know. Probably a large majority of our listenership knows exactly what an AeroPress is, is probably drinking the product of an AeroPress right now as they listen to this episode. Um, but maybe let's... And if not, pause, go get your AeroPress, <laughs> brew your IBMOC recommends coffee, and come on back, and we'll continue the podcast. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about, like, what is an AeroPress? What does it do? What does it look like when you actually brew it? Um, and... I, there's no better person to start this discussion than the third place winner of the Eastern Regional AeroPress Championships from 2015, Mr. Brian Bikey. Who? What? Is that me? What? And now I have a friend because down here in Dallas, just uh, last week for the Mid Midwestern AeroPress up in Chicago, our friend Eli took home second. So yeah. and we have a buddy down here. So the AeroPress breaks down into a couple of parts. You have uh, – there are two thick, solid plastic pieces. You have a plastic filter locking screen thing, and in the package comes with uh, usually a lot of paper filters. Mm-hmm. And what happens with the device? You, the plunger goes inside. Uh, it fits right inside of the other plastic part. And this is really hard to describe on an audio form. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it really is. Uh, the fil- <laughs> This is really dumb. The filter locks into the bottom. No, this is terrible. We can't, we can't, we can't describe this. It, um, okay, I've so, got um, it. I've got it. Imagine okay. a Frisbee. <laughs> Turn it upside down, and then you have what looks like a, f- a flatter wider frisbee and those two they lock together but extruding from the top protruding what is it what would it be called i don't know coming out of the top of that frisbee is a long cylinder now there's a la- there's one part remaining and it has a plunger on the end of it and it somehow magically fits snugly right inside of the cylinder attached to the pancake like <laughs> second frisbee i mentioned that's that's the aeropress i bet that's how alan adler pitched it it just it's kind of like a frisbee but it makes coffee right here now hear me out (laughs) oh man did you set me up like that on purpose that was really difficult (laughs) (laughs) well brian please indulge us in a little bit more information about no 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 so yeah i mean basically you've got this chamber right and in the bottom of it, you have a little cap that has holes in it that you put a paper filter into or some type of filter. And you screw it onto the bottom. You put your coffee grounds into the chamber and you put the whole thing onto a cup and you pour water over the top of it and stir it up with the included stirring paddle that they give you. 
And then you take the little plunger piece that's got a silicone, you know, doodad on on the end of it. And you shove it in the top of it and you squirt it down and you brew your You got to make sure to squirt it. If you don't squirt it, you're not doing it right. Well, at the end of it, it does make sort of a spraying. (laughs) Yes. So you do that. And that would be considered um, the traditional or the standard method of of brewing it where you actually have the chamber sitting on your brew vessel. We'll talk in a little bit more detail about the inverted method in a bit, but it's really simple. I mean, I I don't know. It's very easy to do. It's a lot easier to see. So if you really, (laughs) uh, clearly, you're going to want to see some videos of this. So we have a whole ton of links in uh, in the show notes that you can go peruse through at your leisure. But yeah, the the AeroPress is not very old either. Um, in the grand scheme of brew methods, it's been around since 2005. Um, Alan Adler is actually the president of Aerobi, which they don't technically make frisbees like you were talking about. Right. It's the uh, Aerobi disc. The Aerobi disc. Um, which didn't you actually get one as a uh, as a as a prize? I sure for did. Your... That's awesome. So he invented the Aerobi disc, and uh, then came around to decide to make a to make a coffee brewing device, which is pretty crazy and interesting. Um, I think they can be had for about thirty bucks, something like that, and they sell them everywhere. They sell them at Bed Bath and Beyond, and you know that you or your wife are getting thirty percent off coupons on the weekly. Yeah, no kidding. Actually, I just had a conversation with my coworker about that very thing. Using a thirty percent off coupon at Bed Bath and Beyond. And don't for forget the that Babies R Us and Bed Bath and Beyond are part of the same company, so you can oh. use the same coupons for the interchangeably. So, <laughs> so yeah, when you actually pick one up, uh, you get this neat little package uh, that has all the things that you could ever want inside of it, and including some things that you probably will only ever use once. Um, I know a lot of people like chuck the funnel. Uh, they give you this really fancy little funnel uh, that you can use. And, and I don't know that a lot of people end up using it. Um, I use it every single day for like all kinds of things um, that don't actually involve making AeroPress coffee. The funny um, thing about that funnel is that I used to think that it was just to dose coffee into the chamber. Right. And so, you know, it has these wide sides and you would dose it without spilling it. But there's another Which, function. But then I realized it. I had a, I think it was the Kalita Karef or something, and the screen or the the bottom of the AeroPress wouldn't fit all the way on it. Right. And I was thinking, well, ha- what, do I have to just use a big opening on a mug or what? What do I use? But no, mm-hmm. the, that funnel, you know, the the circular part will go down into whatever Karef or mug it is and then even a, even a thermos like a hydro flask or yeah something, a thermos fits, or something right and then the the top of the funnel makes that kind of six-sided shape that the bottom of the aeropress is and it fits down in there so that you can plunge into it and it will drip down into you know whatever your vessel is so yeah and that's a i don't think a lot of people talk about that, i didn't I, just figure that out though no i it's... did figure that out like two weeks ago <laughs> But yeah, it, I think a lot of the parts that are included in the AeroPress are are very like multifunctional, um, and so it's cool that the the funnel actually is that way as well. Um, did you know that the plunger piece is also multifunctional? It's not just a plunger. Did you know that? Is it used for a cup? It can also be used uh, to dose and measure uh, the amount of water that you put into I- it did know the water yeah 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 and and in a pinch i'm not saying i do this often but in a pinch you can actually put water into the plunger of the aeropress there's numbers on the side of the plunger as well that correspond to the numbers on the side of the chamber for the aeropress but you can actually take that and throw it in the microwave no way i'm not i've not done that very frequently but it uh it can be done and so if you did need a, a fast way to heat up water Without actually having a kettle, um, you could you could potentially use that plunger as a as a method of heating your water. It's probably not that great for the actual rubber stopper in the bottom probably after not. a while, but yeah. Now, do you know if um, the number of scoops are supposed to be similar to the number on the side, 
Like, should yeah. if you do one scoop, does it go to the one? If should you fill water to the one? Or right, I think that's actually how it goes. I'd have to go back and look through uh, the original included instructions. Yeah, which it I... comes with an instruction book, but I mean, this this is not meant to be. Well, I don't want to say it's not meant, but it doesn't have to be something that you're using with a scale that you're using with a gooseneck kettle. You know, you right. you can take this out and about with you. You throw it in a duffel bag. You take it out camping. You take it on the road. We were just talking with the girls um, from. The places we brew, you know, an AeroPress is definitely something you can take out with you. And the part of the little stirrer that you can stir the coffee bed up and the other side of that is a scoop. So, you know, you can scoop your beans in there, grind it usually with, you know, with a hand grinder or your electric grinder. Mm -hmm. And then the numbers that you were mentioning on the side can correspond to how much coffee is in there, but also, you know, how much water you're going to fill up. So you might put coffee up to the one and fill or halfway to the one or something, and then fill water up to this spot, and that's how you like it. Right. And you're doing that, you know, repeatedly without having to use a scale or anything. Yeah, and I don't know that I would necessarily use the recipe on, you know, that's included with it as like a, you know, the Bible sort of recipe that uh, that you should use on the AeroPress, specifically um, because have you have you looked at the recipe book? at all recently or do you recall what brew temperature uh that's recommended in there i don't what is um the brew temperature in the actual recipe manual i think i believe is uh it may it may have changed but when i got mine it was 175 degrees can i tell you something yeah when i was in the aeropress competition last year Mm -hmm. that was typically the water temperature that people were brewing at Interesting. There were there were a lot of folks brewing in the 175, 185 range. Hmm. So probably not everybody's cup of tea, but apparently works in some cases. Speaking of tea, what's crazy about the hero press is that you could also make tea in it. So you could <laughs> you just, I mean you can, I'm just saying. Yeah. You and I both have aeropresses, obviously. Um when did you get your aeropress? Do you remember when? Not not exactly. It was a couple of years ago, and I I had I'm gonna assume at that time I was doing pour over first, mm-hmm. and I got in an AeroPress and kind of was jacking around with that. I was using a Hario Skirton grinder at that time. That was I think the first. That was before I got a burr like electric burr grinder. So mm-hmm. that was interesting too because. I'll throw this in the show notes, but there was a link or a video I had seen where somebody, they basically close the burrs on the Hario skirt and grinder, and then they mark where that is on the the little bolt thing that turns on the skirt and every time that you go a new notch mm-hmm. um, to open it up. So he basically marked a zero point. And so every time you took the tooth an extra notch away, then he would just call that one, two, three, four, five, six. And, you know, at six, I believe you're at a full rotation. But that was really handy for me to do to try and figure out my grind settings that I was using for the AeroPress. And when I first had it, I think I, I had probably a lot of really bad cups with it. Right. But at the same time, kind of what you were saying about little differences, I would notice that I would play in between maybe my the three setting and the five setting. But I would, my coffee input would be somewhere from, let's say 17 up to 18 and a half grams. And then the water I'd put in would be anywhere from 220 to 240, I think. Hmm. And just those variables right there, those are three very big variables that made a ton of difference. It doesn't look like it because the numbers are changing so slightly. Right. But, you know, us a, a, a setting four and 18 grams to 220 is going to be different than a grind setting open a little wider at six and using 16 grams at 250, which, you know, would probably be a lot lighter of a cup. And, and just, you know, with just the same coffee over and over and over, I would just play around with that and just start noticing all these differences. Well, I feel like the AeroPress, the cups that come out of an AeroPress can swing so widely with just even the smallest amount of change. 
at least in my opinion, that's, that's how right. that was my first experiences with it too. And, uh, I think that's how I really started to get a good understanding of like what variables impacted a particular brew, especially, you know, on full immersion and the impacts of agitation and, you know, the, the impacts of your grind setting and, you know, how much water you were ending up putting in and all the things that, you know, all the variables that come into play because every cup that would come out, you know, you'd tweak one little small thing just slightly and then, wow, a totally different result, you know, in, in the cup at the end. And one of the things that I think uh, has has to play with that too is when, and we were just talking about, you know, doing a standard AeroPress. And now what happens is as soon as the coffee's in there, you start adding water, you'll probably notice that it doesn't prevent the coffee from going ahead and dripping through. So right. that's something a lot of times you have to be aware of. And so sometimes you'll see somebody, they're not actually starting to plunge, but you'll see them take the suction part, right? They'll take the plunger and they just set it inside and it creates a vacuum and that's going to prevent it from draining down below. And so some people, if let's say they're steeping it for a minute and a half, as soon as they filled their water up, you might see them push that in and it might push a little coffee out, but it should hopefully create a vacuum to prevent a lot of it from draining out. So if you're not doing that, you might have differences between your brew because depending on how old your coffee is, maybe more water's bypassing sooner. And so you just kind of have a, a kind of a mixed extraction going on. I think when I first got started with the AeroPress, I, I was also doing pour over. I had been previously doing pour over. I got the AeroPress so that I could uh, make coffee at work easily. Um, and the AeroPress is perfect for that. Like, you know, for single cup brewing at work, it was, you know, really easy to to bring with me. I could throw it in my backpack. You know, I, I could throw my hand grinder in there without it, without too much trouble. It's made of plastic, so I don't have to worry about something tipping over and breaking. Um, and the cleanup. I, you can say whatever you want about the AeroPress, but seriously, the cleanup for the AeroPress is just is the easiest thing to do. I mean, you know, going from like having a French press or, or being familiar with a French press to seeing what the AeroPress does for cleanup is just night and day difference, right? You just pop, unscrew the lid, pop that puck in the trash can and you're done, you know, and, and maybe a little rinse here and there, but, but that's about it. And so for me, the AeroPress made a perfect companion to the workplace and, uh, people would walk by and they would see me brewing my AeroPress and they thought, think I was crazy, you know, this really strange looking device. Uh, but by, you know, a couple, couple months later, you started to see other coworkers picking them up as well. And probably have about three or four other coworkers, uh, in my office who also have AeroPresses now, uh, which is kind of cool to see. It's almost become as accessible to people as a French press. So, you know, one of my, uh, college friends, you know, he's a teacher and he, he was kind of getting into coffee, but his wife, you know, he got him an AeroPress for, he's, uh, got him an AeroPress for work too. Yeah. And so, you know, he could tuck it in his desk, you know, when he's not using it, you know, pull, pull it out, brew one, put that away. But you know, he's not, you know, he doesn't have a Chemex or anything like that. That's just what he does. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of reasons why people would prefer an AeroPress over other brew methods. I mean, you know, obviously for the office, there's one thing, it's lightweight and it's made out of plastic. So like we already talked about, it's really easy to take with you on travel. Um, I've been seeing quite a few more people recently brewing their AeroPresses on the airplane. <laughs> like we kind of talked about a couple episodes ago. Hashtag mile high AeroPress club. Yeah, that's, that's a thing now. Um, why do you choose the AeroPress when you're at home? To be honest, it's it's one of the easiest – you talked about cleanup, but it's one of the easiest immersion brewers that you can go for if you want a clean cup. So so with me, it, it's just me. I prefer filter coffee. I do. I prefer a Kleda or a Chemex to just about anything else. So mm. I will drink a French press, but usually it's a little too dirty for me, and the AeroPress – comes with, and we didn't really talk about this, but it does come with a stack of paper filters. Now, right. there are people out there who have made metal filters to get a little bit more sediment into the cup, to give it more body, more oils and richness, even closer to what folks would want out of a French press or something. But it does come with 
paper filter. So while it's an immersion brewer, which means it's going to spend more contact time with the coffee and water, which to me presents itself in a certain way, taste-wise. Mm-hmm. Now, sadly, my impression with immersion brewers is normally muddied and not as clean, not as much clarity. Maybe that's a general definition, but for the sake of not wanting to jump to that, I'm going to say that's my impression of immersion. Sure. Now, when I play with a with the AeroPress, I try and do, most of the time, kind of short, I would say shorter times. I've seen some people do upwards of maybe four minutes. So I'll try and do a shorter AeroPress. And I do use the paper filter, so it is still clean. And I'm seeking the balance between what I like about filter coffee and that cleanliness and trying to get the result of a coffee, but also what comes from, I don't know, immersion brewing. Right. So it's, it's tricky because there are a lot of coffees. I don't, I don't think lend well, I would probably say there are more coffees. I don't like the results of when I brew an AeroPress than I do. But there are a lot of ones that I brew that I just really, really good. So I don't know. That that might just be my experience. I think one of the problems that I've experienced uh, with the AeroPress and the re- or maybe one of the reasons why I don't use it as often as I could is because of the single cup brewing. I mean, it's a little hard sometimes to just deal with the small amount of coffee that you can get out of an AeroPress. Another one of the metal filters that I have is the S filter from Cafeology. I don't know if you've heard of them. But when I was first looking it up, before I even bought the filter, I just had seen it on their website. They have a two-cup pour-over method. And I started brewing that up. And so what it does is it's just in the standard position with 24 grams of coffee. And then you let it bloom a little bit. You fill it up, and then you stir some. And then you fill it up to the top. And then as it drains, you just fill a little bit more. It drains down a little bit. You fill a little bit more. So you kind of pulse pour it. You kind of pulse pour a little bit till you get to 400 and if it's draining too slow, then you know you need to coarsen it up. If it's going too fast, then in between, you could um, put the plunger in, like I was saying, to kind of keep it from draining out too fast. But at about three minutes, you take it off and you plunge it down to three minutes, 30 seconds, hmm. and you have two cups out of the AeroPress. Crazy. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to do that a lot and uh, kind of you know stepped away and just got back to more conventional standard AeroPress recipes, but I, I got that back out today, and it's uh, pretty fun. <laughs> Would you recommend an AeroPress to somebody getting started in coffee? I think kind of going back to one of the episodes, we, or maybe even a couple episodes we've talked about a for, uh, before, is where somebody's coming from, what right. they're looking for in a coffee. There are some folks that I know that they are religious about brewing on the AeroPress. Mm-hmm. They don't want a, a V60. They want to brew the AeroPress, you know, and again, like one of my buddies back in Cincinnati, you know, he he makes his AeroPressos, right? And so he gets that from this device and, right. and wouldn't get that from a different device. So some people who, yeah, I, I think there are, I think there are folks that this would be their thing. Yeah, I go back and forth. I, I think a lot of times I feel like it is a really approachable brew method for sure. Um, but I also feel like it's so, it can be so fussy at at times. Um, and it can be so sensitive to different conditions that getting started for a new brewer, like it, it might become more frustrating for them if, if they're not, you know, kind of committed to figuring out all the ins and outs of the brew method. Well, and it's tricky because to be honest, sometimes it's hard for me to say, yeah, as a new brewer, this is, this is a device I think that you're going to really enjoy for that same reason. There's a lot of messing up. However, I remember when I was starting off too, and I didn't necessarily know when a cup was botched compared to a different brew necessarily. True. They were all better than what I was drinking before, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and so again, for that reason, I I can't necessarily say I couldn't recommend it for somebody because their, the coffee they're getting could be miles better than what they're drinking before. It just not, might not be what, you know, where it could be. Sure. Or have its the most potential. 
Well, it's definitely a great educational brew method, if if for nothing else. I mean, there's you know so many different things you can do with it, and different ways to tinker with it, and play with it, and experiment. And I think I think the experimentation part of it is probably one of the biggest draws for somebody who's getting really passionate about coffee, because um, there's so many things you can do. Like you already mentioned, a couple of uh, a couple of different metal filters that you could put in there. Hey, you know experience what the difference is between paper filtration and metal filtration. And that's actually not very hard to, uh, to get into, you know, for, for a big cost. I mean, those little, I know able brewing makes those, uh, AeroPress discs in, in two different sizes. Um, I think, uh, Kohi, do they also make a, yeah, Kohi has a filter. I've not tried it, but they, they did a Kickstarter and they have a filter out now. And those, uh, at least those able discs, I, they're only like, 13 bucks something like that so not that expensive in the whole grand scheme of things i mean maybe half the price of the of the brewer itself but you you can get a a mix up the the filtration you can you know mix up how much you're actually putting in or the temperature that you're putting in or how many stirs you do and all the, the all the ways you can tinker with it aside from like the obvious ways though that you can tinker with the aeropress what are some wackadoodle totally off the wall ways that you can that you can use an aeropress we haven't really talked about the inverted method i feel like i kind of i want to mention this so oh yeah the the general way that we talked about doing it you know where the filter is it sits on the carafe and then i mentioned that you know once you add water you know it might start coming out the bottom of the grounds and you if you create a vacuum it won't now one way that you could prevent that is some people they'll t- they'll set the plunger inside of the chamber and then you you lift turn it upside down so it's actually s- standing up on the plunger end right. and you could put the coffee down inside of that basically resting on the the top of the plunger and you could fill your water up and it won't go anywhere right. and it's just steeping in there so, yeah, so if you were confused in, in one of the last episodes when Bethany was talking about ensuring a proper contact time by using the inverted method of the AeroPress, that's what she was talking about. Right. You know, you, you can guarantee that the water is not going to drip down through that filter um, if the whole device is flipped on its backside. Right. So now this does t- – people account for this in a number of ways. So what what happens is when you do that, generally – in order to plunge it out, you're going to have to flip it back over, which mm-hmm. is where disasters happen. So that's something you got to have to you have to watch out for because if the plunger comes out from the bottom, which I you know that was something that happened to me maybe only once when I first had it though, but you know getting the right flip to it onto a device, right? But it just and again for people who have the oppressed, that's not super wackadoodle. But for somebody who doesn't, and I know just from you and I posting about the AeroPress recently this week. There are people that that follow us online that they they don't know what uh, they're they're new, either new to coffee or new to the yeah. AeroPress, and they're not familiar with the inverted method. Yeah, why why is the device flipped over? It's like, right. well, yeah, that's the inverted method. You can't, right. yeah, you forget that that people may not have a lot of familiarity with that. So yeah, and again, what that what that allows is that you're in control of all of the water and coffee contact time. It's not like, well, in 15 seconds, I've lost 10 grams of water. By 35 seconds, I've lost 25 grams of water. And depending on your grind size, some of that may be under or over extracted. We've actually talked about it uh, a little bit on a couple of other episodes, but the uh, the Tim Wendelbo Periscope, where he was talking about filter coffee, um, he actually talked about the AeroPress and how he, in his shops... Um, they don't do the inverted method. They actually only do the standard or traditional method because of that very fact of having to flip it. Um, they don't want to potentially have have a, a disastrous result in the cafe. And so they, they always brew it standard just because they, they don't want the, the risk of flipping it. Now, when I was practicing last year, though, my method was, was kind of wacky. So if you want to talk about wacky... Um... It's not. It's not too crazy, I guess. But your method required two kettles. Two kettles. It was, it was definitely wacky. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was wanting to play with uh, letting cooler water sit in the coffee bed for. And it's been a while since I visited this, so I might have this wrong. But 
I wanted uh, the, the cooler water to sit in the coffee for a period of time, for a long period of time, actually, and just get some of the the low end out of the coffee. And then I would hit it with hot water and then immediately plunge it out. So I'd get some of the highs and I'd get the lows, but I would bypass what it, what I said in the beginning. I usually found the AeroPress to give me a very mucky result, very mm-hmm. um, muddled result. There's a lot I couldn't sift through, right? Right. And the first time I did this with this coffee, I used the Gachatha from Ruby Coffee. This was not the most recent crop, but I guess 2014 going into 2015. And the first time I did this, I just was like, this is, I've unlocked this magic portal <laughs> to an unknown world, right? Right. And then I couldn't do it again. And I kept practicing it. And, you know, I was talking with Jared and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what your grind stuff is, but he's like, you know, I'm, I'm getting this extraction and, you know, we're, it's, we're, it's not really jiving here. It's coming up kind of flat. Maybe just stick to something regular. And I... I went back to regular AeroPress brews, and it just wasn't having it. I, I gave you the recipe, too. Yeah. I gave a couple other guys the recipe just to kind of play with it, too. But then, and I don't remember if, I don't remember when I gave you this part, but I thought it was just a couple of days before the competition. I'm I'm racking my brain, like, did I, did I make a mistake practicing with this coffee and this method? And why am I chasing this? And then I realized, okay. Well, when I'm doing that cold steep, I'm I was letting that the cooler water steep in the coffee for two minutes and forty five seconds or something, yeah, a long time. Cool. And even if I put the plunger in there, I still notice, you know, that I was losing coffee, and I don't, and that wasn't controllable, you know, about how much I was losing and when. And then I realized to myself. Well, you know what I could do? I could adjust the grind and I could do the first part inverted. So I could do my cool bloom um, steep thingy upside down. I won't lose anything. But then what I have to account for is when I flip it over. And But I did it. Yeah. And as soon as I got that recipe down, then all my results were the same. And then it was just a matter of tightening it up. Now, we talked about sweet bloom earlier andy springer went on to you know was with ceremony and now has started sweet bloom and um one model one method that that he won with that i thought was really interesting when i was getting started was he took a v60 filter and like either folded over or cut part of it and he would bloom uh he would have a portion of coffee in that filter that he would do like a little pour over and it would drip down into more coffee in the AeroPress inverted. So weird. And he did that for a little bit, and then he'd remove the top filter and then just fill it up and then flip it and plunge. Like, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> That's crazy. My buddy and I, we uh, put in the show notes, my buddy and I made a video. This this actually, uh, for anybody who is, who's followed me online for a while, and they know that, that the handle switch, uh, my friend Matt and I were starting this thing, La Santaville Coffee, and we, we weren't too sure, you know, what where it was going. But when we started, we had done this video and, you know, we had talked about doing more. But we did a modification of that idea and I we took the Kalita Cantans, those pop-up drippers. Mm-hmm. And I set that on top so I could just remove it as opposed to, you know, dealing with the filter being wet over the sides. and The wackiest thing I've ever done, the fruit filter. I don't yeah, know that was you, silly. You take an orange or some piece of fruit that's mildly dense um but porous enough to be able to push through and uh you know you cut it basically the size of the aeropress filter itself put it in in the bottom of the cap and twist it on and then you basically brew your coffee using the fruit as a filter now i did with mine i actually did the orange peel itself and then poked holes in the orange rind to be able to allow the water to come through didn't turn out as great as when I would actually do the the you know piece of orange kind of turned sideways so that it was actually pushing through the orange part of it. That actually turned out better. But uh, there are a lot of people in that they use the AeroPress as uh, a more concentrated brew, you know, mm-hmm. and the, and they post fill with water. Yeah, I um, used to do that actually a lot, and I don't do that anymore. But I I used to. Make a really constant. I, I think if you look at the actual recipe instruction book, 
Um, I think that's actually the recommendation that they give you is to make a concentrated brew and then, you know, sort of dilute it after the fact. Which I'm not super opposed to because I've been doing that a lot more with espresso right. lately in the morning. And so I sure. feel like if I if I made a concentrated brew like that, it would give me maybe a similar result. But yeah, there's lots lots of different ways, lots of different uh, places to experiment with the AeroPress. So if you've got an area that you have tried or a recipe that you've tried, obviously hit us up on social media. Uh, we'd love to, to hear about your experiences tinkering with the AeroPress. Yeah, so we mentioned this before, though, about the AeroPress and it's being dedicated to you know championships. So separate than separate from the Brewers Cup and the Barista Cup, and we've talked about that in the past. And you know, Brewers Cup, you could brew whatever manual device you want, but they have AeroPress championships, and that's not just a U.S. thing. I mean, this is another world championship that they do. And here in the U.S., we just recently had one of those up in Chicago, but there are still three more of those qualifying events before the uh, the U.S. event that's going on. So what's neat about that is it's less fussy as the, the barista competition and the brewers competition, and there are a lot of people who come and they participate, and they, they may not be this proficient press brew thing. It's much more just kind of like a come hang out sort of thing. If you've ever been to or been a part of like a local throwdown or something like that, that's sort of the vibe that these AeroPress competitions have. And it's just kind of a fun place to go hang out. And again, it's it's a competition that we have this year that is doing regionals. So that's pretty cool. So we actually still have some of those. We're in the midst of this season right now. Mm-hmm. And so we have... um. We, we just had at Everybody's Coffee, it was in Chicago, February 27th. So that was the Midwest Regional. We have missed that one already. That's the one that we mentioned Eli, our buddy here um, in Texas, came in second place for. But uh, we have the bottom left Regional AeroPress Championship. That's uh, hosted by GMB, and that's going to be in L.A. So any folks out there in L.A., San Francisco, anything like that hanging out, uh, again, whether you do or don't know somebody, and I think this is filled up now, but go out, just have a good time, and check out the competition. It's going to be fun. Uh, that's going to be March 11th. So following that, we have the New York is the Eastern Regional, and that's a variety coffee roasters. That's March 17th. And then we have the Pacific Northwest Regional AeroPress Championship. That's taking place at Heart Roasters on March 25th. So all those are leading up to the uh, U.S. event that's going to take place uh, at during SCAA in April. And anybody who places during, um, well, I don't want to say places, anybody who takes first, I believe, during those qualifying events, they get flown to Atlanta for the U.S. AeroPress Championship. And the winner of that gets flown to Dublin, which is where they're going to be completing in the Worlds this year. Crazy. So all for the AeroPress. All for the AeroPress. I love all the AeroPress posters that come as part of these competitions. Um, maybe we'll find a collection of them online and drop links to them in the show notes. But uh, yeah, all kinds of posters that end up featuring the AeroPress in some form or fashion. Um, so it's always cool to see how people will interpret the AeroPress into some kind of a an interesting and unique poster. I think the one that I like. I, I don't know how recently it was, but it was the Back to the Future one where the the AeroPress oh, yeah. was the hoverboard. I thought that was last year, but I could it, be wrong. Yeah, it, it may be older, but uh, was, <laughs> that, that one sticks in my head a lot. I will mention, so we, we haven't really hit on it probably directly on this podcast, but the main takeaway, I think, from the AeroPress is that it is a brewer worth experimenting with. So very much is it a brewer that you can fall into a regular routine with yeah. you know so i i have a standard recipe currently which is uh basically a modification slight slightly of parameters that you had which were they're pretty similar to uh the parameter i used just before that i think too it's all kind of close together but i've been kind of changing the grind and stuff mm-hmm. but and that's kind of where i'll start you know most of the times when i'm when i'm brewing on an aeropress but uh, from there, I kind of play around. So, again, 
I want to encourage everybody to kind of explore a little bit. And the reason we brought up the competitions is that there's no better place to look for new recipes than to look up some of the uh, winners or any of the participants, anything, anything you find on Sprudge, anything you find anywhere that talks about people's brewing methods. But you know, it's funny too. I love the ones where I go and I'm, and I'm like, who won this year? What did he do? And he says something like, I put two scoops of coffee in. I filled it up to the four and I plunged it in a minute and 30 seconds. Like, Son of a gun. That's the cool thing about it too is, is you can you, overthink it. Yeah. You don't, you can easily overthink it, but I mean, there, there have been great recipes that won and did just fine by doing things very simply. So maybe that's another reason why the, the AeroPress is a good educational tool to realize that sometimes getting back to basics is also a good thing depending on the circumstance. Right. But regardless, it's something just to play with. Yep. The AeroPress has been on my mind a lot recently. Thanks to Brian. Sorry. It's your fault. I'm blaming you. Um, is one of the reasons why we we definitely decided to do this episode this week because um, Brian just started a new hashtag on Instagram and actually a whole new account on Instagram. What what did you do? What did you build? I don't know. It was Monday and I was making AeroPress, so I did this Monday AeroPress Club. And uh, the account coming afterwards, I still might delete it. It was just a thing that I did. It's really dumb, but it's pretty funny. But having a having a collected day that people are brewing the same device is kind of neat because yeah. everyone can kind of jump around other people's recipes. They already kind of have it in their mindset that, you know, I'm going to brew on an AeroPress today, at least one brew or something. Right. So that's kind of fun. Well, cool. That's about all the time we've got for this episode. Uh, if you have not yet uh, gotten a chance to go check out our show notes for this episode, you can visit our website at ibrewmyowncoffee.com slash 36. Um, we'll have all the links to everything we talked about here on the show, um, a link where you can go buy the AeroPress if you have not yet done so yet, um, and all sorts of videos and, and tips and tricks, and, and maybe we'll throw a recipe or two in there too in, in case you're interested in checking out what we do. Um, and this week, guys, on the hashtag IBMOC talk, that's our talk backs across social media platforms so we can kind of engage with one another. Share your AeroPress recipes or, you know, throw some photos up there of you brewing the AeroPress and, you know, starting the dialogue. If you're if you're having difficulty with the AeroPress, you know, maybe do a shout out and we'll see if we can't get some people in there and help troubleshoot what's going on. And again, when we come around to this coming Monday, don't forget Monday AeroPress Club. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, we are on Instagram at iBrewMyOwnCoffee. We are on Twitter at BrewMyOwnCoffee. You can check us out on our website. Send us a message using our contact link at the top of the page. Um, that's iBrewMyOwnCoffee.com. And if you got any questions or feedback or things that you need us to help you with or answer for you or people you want us to direct you to, just let us know. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next episode... Happy AeroPress Brewing, everybody. It's a lot.